0: This is Everything Elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to all elite wrestling. I'm Aaron Bentley, and I am joined, as always, by my good friend, Nate, a.k.a. Epitasis. What up, Nate?
1: What up, Aaron? Uh, We're back. We've made it back alive from WrestleMania weekend. Uh, So we're we're probably all in a little bit of recovery mode. I still have a little laundry to do, but I'm down (laughs) to single-digit work emails, so we're, we're charging ahead here.
0: Congratulations. Thank you. And of course, Mike Spears joins us. Mike, how are you?
2: Hey, y'all. It's your old pal, Mike Spears. I am a recipient of the Rare Mania Crud. So I'm going to be a little bit stuffed up tonight. But, you know, I'm glad to have seen y'all last week. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of interesting coming back to the mountains after spending four days in the big city. So, yeah, that's all I got.
0: SB also has the mania crud, so mm. I'm hoping I don't end up with it.
2: But. It's, it seems worse than last year's. Like Maybe it was because everyone was so pickled because of alcohol that they didn't get sick, but more people I know this year got sick in New York than got sick in New Orleans.
0: Yeah, I was pickled as fuck. <laughs> Can't confirm. All right, Twitter. Make sure you're following us at EverythingAEW. Make sure you're subscribing to the show. Uh, on you know, whatever podcast app that you use, you can get our individual feed or you can find us on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. You can, of course, follow me at Aaron Like The Car, Nate is at Epitasis, and Mike is at Fujiheya. We got a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about AEW's TV deal and what's going on with that. We're going to talk about Jim Ross, uh, some double or nothing news. Of course, we're going to talk about Fighter Fest. Uh, I, I assume there will be some uh, fun content from that. We're going to go over Mania Weekend a little bit, uh, talk about some injuries to some OWE talent. And, of course, we will be recapping uh, this past week's Being the Elite, or this week's Being the Elite. I'm all screwed up because of travel and whatnot. This
1: week's Being the Elite, last week's Double or Nothing. No, last week's Road to Double or Nothing.
0: Right. That's exactly right. Now, I will say we're recording this on Thursday night. So we just found out today that this week's Road to Double or Nothing is coming out on Friday. So we won't be getting to that. Uh, We will circle back to that next week if there is any big news in it. I think the place we should start is the TV talk. So this all kind of got running last night when the former front row Brian uh, did a tweet saying that Turner Sports was going to present AEW at Upfronts on May 15th which is basically just like presenting what your content is going to be uh, for advertisers, essentially, um, and other people in the uh, TV media game. So that was pretty quickly um, disputed by Dave Meltzer, among others. Uh, the rap who reported that the deal is not done yet. Uh, it might not be done by upfronts. So. As of right now, the best thing that we know is that the deal hasn't been signed, or at least that's the the news that we have, Uh, but it does look like TNT is a possible home. Uh, What we also know from the Observer, which dropped right before we started recording, is that the idea is for AEW to be both for a weekly primetime television show and then have some involvement with a streaming package. TNT has a streaming service called uh, BR Live which is a sports site built around various packages from uh, sports leagues. So if they get things done with Turner before 515, they will announce that and and present them at the upfronts. But Dave reports that they also have a serious bid from another company. So I don't we don't really know where we stand right now. Uh, Nate, what is your reaction to kind of these disputing stories and what's going on with AW and uh, TV?
1: Um, yeah, I guess the interesting thing, I guess, to me is that Dave, uh, maintains that there's another group on the table and that there's another bidder that's active here for the television deal. Um, that's pretty much contrary to what we've heard from everybody else. Uh, uh we've had people say, you know, that it's going to be Turner and that Dave probably knows that it's Turner. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, uh, it's been my understanding. This is what I was also drunkenly tweeting about on New Year's Eve is that it's Turner. So, you know, every every bit of information that says it's Turner just sort of confirms what I've been led to believe.
0: Yeah, not only is that what we've been led to believe, it's what we've been led to believe for a long time. Uh, as you were mentioning, you know, that you were first talking about that on, on New Year's Eve. So it was already out there. And some have suggested to us that the deal has been done for a very long time. But uh, Dave, it's interesting because, you know, Dave Meltzer usually – seems to get some info from, uh, the AEW side. So it makes you wonder if there's an angle there or, uh, what exactly is going on, uh, with, with Dave reporting what he's reporting.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I think we also, uh, know that Dave is probably not immune to getting worked by people on the AEW side. So.
0: Sure. Absolutely. So I'm just wondering what that, uh, what the possible uh, motive for that would be. And, uh, I mean, I can think of some, but I'm just not sure what the motive would be in this particular situation. Uh, Mike, your thoughts on the TV reporting?
2: Well, as you all said, this is they've been the leading horse from the start, going back to when Nate was tweeting about it four months ago. So if anything, this is just confirmation that these leaks that have come out, especially before the official AEW announcement are real. I think it's interesting that they're going that TNT seems to be the place there as really almost all of Turner Sports products are on TNT there's some baseball on TBS but really it's all focused on TNT and I did talk to some folks who are aware of the uh Bleacher Report live service and it works kind of differently it's an a la carte service so it could be a way that I find kind of interesting that they could offer their own channel quotation marks on the, uh, the the BR live service. And that way, I guess whatever portion of this is a streaming package and it kind of opens up a lot of possibilities. And I find that kind of interesting that, I mean, there was also a tweet that came from the account today that was Dave posting on the board about possible off seasons, which are more like the old uh, WWF raw is war ones on USA in the 90s so I think it's kind of interesting well I do think it's in Turner's best interests to have them at the upfront especially with you launching this new property and you need to get the ad sales forward and especially with the rumored amount of money that's going to be paid to all elite for this that you want to be able to try to get back your revenue from this new product so I, I, I think it's I, I kind of figured that about this time we'd start hearing things so this is kind of lining up with my expectations
1: Yeah, I want to uh, pitch. Somebody pitched an idea to me um, that I thought was kind of interesting. Uh, We think that probably there's going to be a streaming aspect to this, um, but somebody also suggested, hey, you know, Warner Media also uh, is the parent company of HBO, and they're really looking to rebrand or revitalize HBO since it's been on kind of a downswing, except for the normie incest show Game of Thrones, which is propping it up um <laughs> so maybe that that would be kind of interesting i did ask somebody about hbo if uh they had any you know heard anything about aw and they hadn't but that'd be uh you know they lost their boxing recently so it'd be interesting to see if they put like a different combat sport on there to draw some of those fans over to hbo for like the big events
2: yeah losing boxing is a huge thing for hbo i mean pretty much ever since pay-per-view was a realistic thing with short circuit tv HBO was in the boxing game. I remember when they finished it last year and there was like the huge tear jerking video about 40 years of boxing and now not having it. And I, I think that's an interesting thing to me with the fact that they already have what could be considered tent pull events. I don't like calling them pay per views because we're kind of past that that everybody like these big shows have already are, are happening this lead up there that it, it gives us a lot of interesting possibilities because we know that there's not going to be house shows. They've probably been open distaste of how shows and live events that are not for, I guess, network or for large event viewing. So having like a Clash of the Champions-like show on HBO every quarter sounds really awesome to me. I, I've been talking about that amongst people and no one really ever kind of said anything about it. But I think that'd be a cool avenue for them to pursue.
1: Yeah, we should uh, brainstorm a better name for pay-per-views one of these days.
0: Hmm. Okay, I'll think about that. No, I don't have anything right now. Okay. Okay. But well, we'll brainstorm on it. We'll, uh, you know, in the chat, we'll start uh, thinking about this. But yeah, there's got to be something new because it does look like this is going to be, th- their big events are, are going to be on a streaming service of some sort. And that could be HBO. Uh, I, I do understand, and I don't know much about this, but I, there's, so normally with, is it with BR Live that you have to have a subscription to get access to the the big shows? Or there, there's some sort of streaming recently where to get access to certain shows, you have to be uh, a member, and then you have to buy the pay per view on top of that. Mike, you know you know something about that. I or think Nate?
1: that was the new e- uh, the new UFC, UFC deal yeah. with ESPN Plus.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, okay. UFC. I don't has know taken. shit about
1: BR Live.
2: Yeah, UFC okay. took all of their events, all their big numbered events, off of any pay per view carrier that includes on demand, includes direct TV and gave exclusivity to ESPN plus where you order it through there. Right, to my you,
0: you still have to pay a monthly fee. Right. And, but then right. you buy the pay-per-view.
2: Yeah. But this also, this is going to be bundled into Disney actually had a big presentation a little bit before we recorded this talking about their big Disney string service. That's going to start doing like a huge bundle that you might pay a flat fee and you get the Disney plus service is what they're calling it, the ESPN plus and then Hulu as well. So well, that'd the, be good for
0: me because Sarah will get the uh, Disney the Disney one. and you Yeah, can... so I'll get ESPN Plus turn into that. That'll be nice.
2: Hey, I mean, ESPN Plus is needing a whole lot of content, and they have a lot of, like, FCS basketball. So if you want to get into, like, the Big Sky, the Big Sky Conference or even lower than that, I mean, go right ahead. I'm going to take a look and try to see what I can figure out about uh Bleacher Report Live as we as we go on through the show.
1: I will note. I'm looking at the wiki now. They... Uh... Bleacher Report Live opened a Bleacher Report studio in the sports book at Caesars Palace. So we'll see if they uh, produce anything while everybody's out there for double or nothing.
0: Now, that's interesting. Because if we assume that it has been done for a long time, uh, then the the Caesars uh, tie-in it gets kind of interesting to me.
1: Yeah, jumped off the uh, wiki page.
0: Hmm. Wasn't there also a report? I guess I should know this instead of asking, but wasn't there also a report that double or nothing might stream on Facebook and Twitter?
1: Yeah, I think that was in the wrap article, but okay. there I hadn't that had never been said anywhere else and I would not be inclined to say that was accurate.
0: So yeah well let's we can get a little more into double or nothing. I guess an easy place to start is with this week's road to. No, I'm still screwing that up. Last week's Road to Double or Nothing. So the point of this episode, episode 10, was largely about giving us uh, the talent that's going to be, you know, on on microphones for uh, Double or Nothing. So the first person that we see in this episode is Alicia Ataut, who is going to be the backstage correspondent for Double or Nothing. She apparently did the same thing for All In. Uh, you know, I didn't watch the uh, broadcast since we were there. So I, I really didn't know that, but now I know that. Uh, also, we see yeah, Alex Mark.
1: to jump in with a couple of points on Alicia. I think they took her name away, her last name. I think they called her Alicia A. Yeah, they did. Yeah, so that was interesting, and maybe they don't want any uh, nobody. To, they don't want anyone to be reminded about Tout. Really stepped <laughs> on that. Hey, right.
2: I mean maybe. You, you don't want to advertise a competitor service. I think it yeah. still technically exists. Uh, it's interesting that this was a move that pretty much as soon as she finished up an impact that uh, hopping over to AEW was in the books, and this was just confirmation thereof. She's done a lot of interviews with the Bucks and Kenny. Like she's probably the person outside of Dave Meltzer who's done the most in-depth interviews with Kenny Omega over the last few years.
1: And she is also Strong Hearts adjacent.
2: Yes, she is. She is Stronghearts adjacent. So yeah, that's she important.
1: She uh, dating the newest member of Stronghearts, Trey Miguel. So I like Trey. I would like to see Trey in the promotion.
0: Interesting. I'm learning things on on our own podcast. So uh, that's Alicia A. Tau, or Alicia A, as we now uh, must call her. Then we get Alex Marvez, and he is doing mock commentary with Cody Rhodes as the color guy, which I thought was funny. And I would love to hear more of this. Uh, Obviously, Alex Marvez is going to be the play-by-play guy going forward for AEW. Uh, I thought it was kind of interesting, I don't know if it is, that the the matches that they showed uh, the mock uh, commentary on, one involved Austin Theory, and the other involved uh, David Arquette. And so I assume that it's at least intentional that they showed what they showed. Uh, But do you guys think that that says anything about either of those talents?
1: Um I mean it jumped out at me that Austin Theory was in there because he's in the pipeline um and seems like you know it it should should be imminent that he would go to NXT or something since he's like Gabe's golden boy at the moment um but I think they also wanted him a while ago and he didn't go to NXT so uh yeah i mean austin theory uh, i i'm prepared to just decide that he's actually good if he signs with aew instead of the wwe <laughs> so. it,
2: i know that he also he used to train at a.r fox's gym i remember seeing a video of him doing like his weird workout routine that i think was at gallows is gym
1: yes i and noticed that, was, that the the one with the bullet club logo
0: bulletproof
2: bulletproof yeah, yeah. right so I mean, I feel like David Arquette. It would be a good person at least, just because of all the uh, it's died down. But like the oh my god, David Arquette's doing matches. Oh my god, David Arquette took a light tube wrong and now he bled out, almost bled out in the ring. So I think that's interesting. I, I think theory is just there, just because that was the footage they had. I mean, it was a it was a Georgia area promotion that they used, and he's been pipeline pretty much now, going on what what Bentley like three years now. It feels like like he's been. Pretty much ever since, like he did the show in the Fern Garden, it, it was very obvious where his destination was.
0: Yeah, as soon as he popped onto the scene, it was just taken for, uh, taken for granted that he was going to WWE. But he hasn't shown up there yet, and and everybody else has. So I'm not sure, I, and I don't know when his uh, Evolve deal runs or anything like that. So maybe we'll find out more about that in uh, in the coming days. I thought it was funny in the episode that they're calling Double or Nothing Dawn. I don't know. Just popped me when I heard him say it.
2: It's easier to say rather than Double or Nothing. So Sure. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Next after that, we saw uh, Excalibur. And Cody largely talking about that he didn't want Excalibur, mainly because of the mask. And But after he heard him on All In, he thought he did a very good job. And so he was excited about bringing Excalibur in to... Uh, At least at this point, it felt like complete the commentary team. The next segment showed Brandy Rhodes hanging out with Justin Roberts, who is going to be the AEW ring announcer. And then they do a a fun little bit where Brandy's kind of concerned that uh, Justin might have some ring rust, hasn't been doing very much work lately. So Justin uh, pretends he's taking a cell phone call and uh, announces that he's hanging out with Brandy Rhodes, but in announcer voice. And uh, similar does, uh, similarly, does another bit asking QT Marshall if he wants an announcer voice orange. So uh, this was funny. And I think it was right after this. Oh, no, that there's a BTE bit that's similar, isn't it? I'm getting them confused.
1: Yeah, they, they continue this on BTE. So a little more continuity where we see maybe that they're sharing footage here.
0: Then we see Cody talking about the greatest announcers of all time. And, you know, he runs down Gordon Soley and Gorilla Monsoon. And then he says, but we're getting the greatest announcer of all time. And we see Cody uh, pulling up to what is Jim Ross's house. And we get a little segment with Jim Ross. Uh, He talks about losing his wife and how he needed to get back in the game to kind of, you know, kick the the sadness that uh, engulfed him after his wife passed away. And he talked about not just doing commentary, but that he wanted to work with the roster, you know, do some development work, which, of course, he did for WWE. He does some selling for AEW as a new way to present wrestling. that He's excited about the way the presentation is going to be. That's something that drew him in. And he closes his segment by saying you know, that he's been reading on social media that there are some idiots who believe that the game has passed me by. And all I can say to them is stay tuned. This would be interesting, except that I just don't believe that Jim Ross is self-aware enough to realize that he has to improve upon what he was doing for uh, access. So uh, we've talked about this in the past, but not really excited about Jim Ross being anywhere near commentary, even if it's just on a big match. Just he was so bad for access that I don't have any faith that he'll be any better.
1: Yeah, it was nice to see uh, every side, the entire spectrum of wrestling Twitter come together and uh, be negative on them using Jim Ross for commentary. (laughs) Pretty much nobody was happy about it. Uh, Nobody liked his New Japan work. Uh, He did just a a really resoundingly impressive job of insulting the viewer for watching and enjoying New Japan, uh, which is quite a feat considering he used to work for the WWE and that's the entire reason the WWE exists is to insult the viewer for watching it. So... Um, yeah, you know, he he did a I guess Ross report episode where he said he doesn't like three man teams and he doesn't like them when they haven't worked together. Uh and Bix quoted that and said, Oh great, he's already, you know, burying the product. And you know, pretty accurate. So yeah, um, this is gonna turn people off the promotion and probably turn people off the show. And I don't really get why you do it, especially when he was like directly disrespectful to the young Bucks um in those matches and shit. So whatever.
2: It seems like to me that this is an out and out, other person decision. That's not the box end, Kenny. Here, I mean, I think there is value to have someone like Jim Ross attached, but I'll also admit that I'm someone who hasn't really watched the access feed of any new Japan shows in the recent years. Like, I just it's just one of those things that I'd rather listen to Kevin Kelly or the Japanese announcers. I'm used to listening to Japanese announcers, but uh. I think that having someone like Alex Marvez who has a sports background, he was really involved in, in NFL stuff. And I think he, they also made a reference about him at doing doing play-by-play of other sports. Having him there to help him I think is a good short-term plan, but long-term, I mean, if he's already bearing the idea of three-man teams and I just wonder how he's going to react when he, see, when he has to sit next to Excalibur wearing his mask. So I think that will be kind of interesting, but I think – jr's value again is probably i could see how someone who is not in the wrestling industry or or uh, has a relationship with him prior prior with like the bucks and the elite do would be like oh yeah jim ross we know of him that's a good person to have attached but it's it's going to be interesting i mean this is of everything that's been announced so far this is my least favorite thing about all elite wrestling and i'm kind of preparing myself to bury his announcing every week.
0: Yeah. It really makes me nervous about, you know, we I've committed to, uh, you know, watching this show every week, uh, which we, we, I didn't mention this earlier. Ross said on the Ross report, I guess last week, that it was going to be a two hour television show starting in October. So if we're going to watch two hours of TV every week and it's going to have a heavy Jim Ross presence. Uh, I'm anxious about having to uh, consume that <laughs> every week. Uh, but we'll see what happens. The other double or nothing news that came out this week is that it looks like Bryce Rimsburg is going to be doing some referee work. If you're not familiar with Bryce, I mean, he's a ref everywhere, I guess, most famously in Chikara.
2: He's the best. Like, to be honest, I think he's the best referee in the business right now, at least American referee. And he's been that way for a long time mainly from Takara, he did some Ring of Honor and Dragon Gate USA stuff, but he just always was kind of someone that was based in the Northeast, and he was a big part of some stuff over WrestleMania weekend, and having Bryce there, I think is great. He might be a little too over-animated for some people's tastes, but in general, I think he's, if not the best referee working today, he's one of them.
1: Yeah, uh, and and by all reports, Bryce is like one of the nicest, sweetest guys in the business. Uh, I saw him do his invisible men match at spring break and he walked right by me on the balcony afterward and then you know he was saying thanks to people who complimented him and stuff and just seemed like a absolute sweetie uh you know who's gonna fucking hate bryce rimsburg is jim ross
2: <laughs> absolutely yeah he's gonna hate him so much but it i i've interacted with bryce a couple times and yeah he's an absolute sweetheart of a person so i'm glad i i think that if you're instead of like having like just random referees if you're able to get someone like bryce and if he's gonna have a role going forward i think that's awesome especially for referees don't usually get full-time gigs it's usually someone in the wwe system that drops out that ends up being a referee i don't know what the thing is for impact but having someone who's been a good referee now for like 15 years out there and and the possibility that he might be going full-time is pretty awesome to me
0: folks if you want to get signed by AEW, do something that a lot of people uh post on twitter
1: yeah, at a, at a GCW show, get some gifts going and you're made in the shade.
0: Yes, uh, we're going to talk about some other people, but it's just like anytime a, a big clip goes vi- even vaguely viral, you can find the Bucks and Cody in the replies being like, hey, you want to come work for us? So do that and, and you'll be in.
1: Yeah, I'm going to uh, I'm going to gift you on your microphone right here. And oh, so thanks.
2: Yeah, just wife. get both of us. You know, <laughs> I, I I think we were open for episode one about being willing to sell out.
0: Oh, absolutely. Couldn't be more open.
2: I mean, if it's if something would, I have to
0: work with Jim Ross,
2: <laughs> I, I at least could talk to him about college football. Like that's like the one thing sure. I could do with him. But other than that, I'd be like, dude, I have no use for
1: you. I mean, he's just going to make like, you know, vaguely racial comments about the Miami hurricanes and then being too urban or something for college football. So I that's wouldn't fair. Do that. yeah.
2: Jim yeah. Ross definitely doesn't think college players should be paid. Oh, absolutely no. not. He thinks that needs to go back to like the bear Bryant junction <laughs> junction boys like that's what he wants thanks
0: okay other double or nothing news Mike I think you got some notes from WWE that could be uh, relevant to double or nothing
2: right so there were a couple injuries over the last few weeks as strong hearts have been doing a bit of a tour and it's going to finish up in Japan but it's not all the it's just been a couple of injuries that happened the first one was in Taiwan I want to say on the 31st I don't have the date in front of me It looked like that Shima dislocated his elbow and he tweeted about it and dislocated a. Originally, everyone thought it was a shoulder. Shoulder injuries are serious business because you don't know how long it's going to take to heal. And Shima is someone in his 40s now and it just takes longer for that to heal. looks like it's his elbow and he's still kind of on social media right now. Usually when you see injuries, especially with Japanese wrestlers, they'll usually disappear for a little bit and you won't see a whole lot from them. But so I expect him to be at double or nothing. I think he'll be good to go by that point. Someone that we've talked about briefly on the show that I think will not be at double or nothing now is Takahiro Yamamura. And he was the guy in strong hearts that was injured severely in 2017. And it it looked like it was gonna be a career ending injury. It was a cervical concussion. He got off a springboard drop kick and he had another, uh, they haven't come out exactly and said what kind of injury it is. And I'll say that with the caveat of being in New York for mania week, I wasn't necessarily able to go and talk to people about this or go through and translate tweet, tweets from this It happened in Russell one last week. He was in the hospital originally and he's been released about it. They, there was issues about, it. they thought that there could have been something that, like of a variant of a stinger, but I think it's pretty fair to say that he's not going to be a part of double or nothing. There was the, Rumor going around that there would be some of the other Strong Hearts members at Double or Nothing, potentially, in the over-budget Battle Royal. I think it's fair to say he's not going to be a part of it at this point, and it's he might not be wrestling. I mean, he was someone that probably should have. like The doctors were trying to get him to consider a post-wrestling future in late 2017, and he comes back, and within two months, Reoccurs that injury. So it'll be interesting to see how this kind of plays out, but it doesn't sound good for him at least.
0: All right. We've also got some more news on the AEWX CEO show that's going to happen on June 29th in Daytona Beach. I guess the biggest news that's come out about this is it has a name and a teaser trailer. It is going to be called Fighter Fest. We learned that in a video that was at least, uh, Sold as being, you know, released by Kenny Omega last week. Um, Nate's going to tell us some more about that in uh, the BTE recap. But basically, Kenny drops this video that is a riff on the Firefest Fest video and Firefest Fest generally. And uh, sells this thing out. It's going to be, you know, uh, hot women, a lot of gamers. And, uh, you know, if you want to hang out with hot women and watch great wrestling, you can come to Fighterfest. Fest. So pretty funny video, I thought.
1: Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, Mike made the point that it's cool to see a wrestling promotion parody, something that's like timely and like of the moment instead of from like five years ago. Uh, of course, when this video first came out, Meltzer had no idea what it was parodying and he had no idea. <laughs> and I don't think Alvarez did either. Um, yeah, it was cute. It, I it, I like that it has separate branding than just CEO now. I think that's probably smart as to brand it as its own sort of thing.
2: Yeah, I think it's really kind of funny how they've also played into this with being the elite as well on that kenny has no idea about wife modeling something after firefest is a bad idea and, and is ignoring the documentaries about its decline. i also enjoy the fact that much like firefest they developed a fake website for it and you can get cabanas that you know that was the big story there that everyone had like a private villa or cabana there and have you all looked at the website the website's actually kind of funny
0: no, I tried to click it when it came out, and it was uh, overloaded or whatever, which I thought
2: was a was a bit. It might have been a bit, to be honest.
1: I think I don't think it was a bit. They did eventually get the website up, and they had a bunch of like ridiculous ticket packages that were all, all already sold out. Um, I just saw that after the fact, though. I did not did not have the time, having returned from Mania to to peruse in depth.
0: The other news we have about Fighter Fest is the main event, I suppose. It will be the Elite, the Bucks, and Kenny Omega versus the Lucha Brothers and Pac. So this is a very cool match, I feel like, uh, especially because it shows that Pac is going to be around more. It shows the Lucha Brothers-Young Bucks feud is, is going to continue. And it's just, it goes with what we were talking about earlier on this show. Not earlier on this episode, but on previous episodes, that this is not going to be the same level of show as a Double or Nothing. So this is the kind of main event you can expect, which I think is a great idea.
2: Yeah, it's also Pox's first ever match, to my knowledge, with Kenny Omega, and the first match he's had with the Bucks in twelve years, which is pretty cool. And I I love this match. Like this is a, this is a match that Daytona Beach is not too far from me, and it makes me think about okay, is there any way I can get in and out for this show now because that match draws me to it. So I think this match rules.
1: Yeah, kick ass match.
2: The
0: other thing we know about Fighter Fest is, according to Dave Meltzer, at least as of right now, Chris Jericho was not asked to do the show. Apparently, his contract has a specified number of maximum dates, so they may be trying to save dates and not use him for uh, some of the smaller shows. All right, we got some more news and rumors about talent that could be coming to AEW or just you know generally around the industry. Uh, the biggest one, for for my money anyway, Hikaru Shida signs with All Elite Wrestling. Uh, Hikaru Shida is a, is a Joshi, mostly wrestles with Oz Academy uh, and some other. I've been watching her some in Sendai Girls lately. So she's a freelancer in Japan, works a lot of different places. The story is that she is going to be full time with AEW. We'll be going back to Japan monthly to work uh, the place Makai that she also does some work in. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. But she's going to be moving to the United States. And uh, it sounds like she'll be a real... Tentpole for the women's division.
1: Yeah, let me correct you on one point, uh, Aaron. Awesome. Uh, I'm going to quote this from the, from the Observer. Hikaru Shida, 30, is close with Kenny Omega. She was a teenage actress in Japan more than a decade ago who was part of a teen idol group on a popular television show called Muscle Venus in 2008-09. She was a pop star outside of wrestling before wrestling. The group also recorded one single. Later, she did a movie about pro wrestling called Three Count, where she had a starring role. She learned pro wrestling for her part in the movie and liked it so much she became a regular pro wrestler. So, in fact, Takaroshida is an idol.
0: <laughs> well, wrestling is idols. So, wrestling is idols. <laughs> That's about a great our, backstory.
1: Yeah. And reading that really uh, rang some bells with Hollywood Jarina, who I think is also
0: a friend of Kenny Omega. Well, and it, I mean, it's like you listen to that, you're like, oh, okay, it makes sense to me that she's friends with Kenny. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. Well, yeah.
2: Friends. Have either of you looked at Makai at all or familiar with it at all? Because I'm
0: not familiar, no.
2: Oh, Makai is actually something that I think it's one of the coolest things going on in wrestling adjacent kind of culture. It's this heavy metal show that happens somewhat on stage, somewhat in the ring. That also has heavy Tokugawa's ambition overtone. Like, I don't know the exact story, but it's, I think, it takes place in the Sengoku period of Japan. And it has wrestler like Karshita is was exclusively signed through Makai, but also has people like Asami Kodaka. Uh, as another link to Hollywood Arena, Kenichiro Raya, who is one of the trader trainers for that program, is a part of this. A lot of DDT people are. So, I'm wondering, like, this is exactly the kind of thing that if it comes over a mania weekend, I would make everyone go see Makai because it's crazy. They have like YouTube videos up, and it's just kind of a cool thing. And that's as much as I really have to add about Hikaru Shida. I know she did a bunch of. Shimmer and I think she came over for a couple of Takara Joshi mania shows back when those were happening
1: as well. Yeah, but Makai does ring a bell. Now. Um, my favorite garbage wrestler in basara I know has been on some Makai yeah. whose name escapes me, but I know he's super into idols so That's why he popped up on my Twitter Um, and yeah, I did I did happen to see Hikaru Shida at a shimmer weekend. Um, she has very cool gear Um and had a good match with somebody that I can't recall Um, so that's my my Shida take
0: She's great uh, and there are, if you're looking around, there are a ton of links going around Twitter, but we re- retweeted some from our account of matches that you can check out with her, specifically a match from last year with Aja Kong, which is noteworthy because, of course, Aja Kong is AEW adjacent and they could do Sheeta Kong at some point. Uh, I think it it really undermines the the point that I was making a few weeks ago about the women's division. And it's, you can see that it's continuing to grow and that you can use A lot of the uh, American talent who may not be as sharp in the ring yet uh, for certain roles. And then you have someone like Hikaru Shida, who is an excellent worker, uh, but also uh, apparently speaks pretty good English and is attractive and is someone who can um, could possibly become a star. I mean, she's she's got the look and the and the work and all that to really be somebody that the promotion can get behind.
1: Well, let me also quote from the new observer in that same section. Dave says, um, the mentality behind the recruitment of Japanese women to the promotion is that once they get television, the Japanese women's style will become the new big thing similar to when Nitro introduced the uh, luchadores from Mexico. So that they're trying to differentiate by really making Joshi a, a signature style the promotion. Um, well, we'll talk about Mania later, but uh, having seen like authentic Joshi and you know, uh, top Japanese women against other top Japanese women. Uh, I think that's the smart way to go. It does have it did uh pop and just have a different energy than uh the straight women's wrestling that I've seen in the states. Um, so yeah, you know, I I wouldn't be surprised if on double or nothing we get Aja Kong and uh, Hikaru Shida on opposite sides of a tag match or something, since they're since uh Shida's uh, apparently going to be on double or nothing. Uh, So, yeah, I'm thinking maybe like Mikaru Shida and Yuka Sakazaki versus Aja Kong and B Priestley or something.
0: Now you're speaking my language.
2: Yeah, and it's such a smart idea doing this. I feel like that we were at a point early on in the show, like right after like Double or Nothing was announced and the press conference, that it seemed like that the women's division wasn't as built up as potentially how the men's division would be or potentially the tag team division. But I'm comfortable saying i think the women's division might be the strongest part of the promotion at this juncture i think that there's a lot of opportunities there there's a lot of relationships being built up and it's also good because you have someone like kylie ray who had like a very brief stardom i think i feel like that's where she got injured last year
1: yeah just when the when they did the one rise tour with stardom she was part of that
2: yeah and then someone like that that i feel like that she's someone that jumped off the screen as someone who is raw but definitely could be a future uh, Ace or like Keystone in a division. So like having her interact with these people is really really great. And not to completely change the subject right now, I did look up the the BR Live thing, and they do do a la carte subscriptions for like certain soccer leagues, and it's a free service to start. It's not linked to your cable or to if you have like a different like Turner based uh, or Warner based media subscription plan.
0: Okay, that's interesting. So they could just do an AEW channel and right. Go from there
2: yeah so they would already have the infrastructure there which would be great you don't have to build your own program you can just have your own sub channel on the br live feed
0: the other guy who has recently gone viral and seems to have uh, gotten himself booked for AEW is no legs the guy with no legs who worked joy janela's spring break did they announce him as having a name? I haven't seen anyone actually referred to him by name.
1: Yeah, he definitely has a name. Uh, we definitely should have looked it up. Uh, should
0: have. I just literally every tweet I read just says no legs.
1: It's in the Observer. Hold on.
0: Okay, good. I didn't so see the
1: match. I'm going to talk and look it up because that's how okay. fucking pro I am. That was
0: <laughs> I was going to vamp for you, but go.
1: Um, Dusty Thomas. Yeah, Dustin Thomas. Dustin, quotations, no leg, Thomas no legs um yeah i didn't see this match this was on the first spring break i guess which i did go to um but myself and the street fight boys got trapped in mrt's mustang listening to very loud noise music and trying to navigate the holland tunnel for like 30 minutes so very memorable uh but i constantly missed this match that's lore there's some lore for you
0: Okay, so yeah, this guy uh, doesn't have legs, and he apparently had a very cool match. I uh, have started, I've watched a little bit of, no, I haven't started Spring Break 1 yet, but I'm going to watch some of it, so maybe I'll I'll have to watch this match now. But anyway, it was going around on Twitter, and the Bucks and Cody liked it, and so it looks like this guy's going to get a booking out of it, so good for him. This is a very minor note, but I think it's interesting from like a, a bigger perspective. IPWK, which famously ran a show in New York that drew a confirmed 12 people
2: announced. <laughs> Sorry, we can get more into why I think this is funny when we yeah. get more into other mania stuff. But that yeah. was, yeah. So IPW UK announced
0: that Kip Sabian was finishing up with them. So Kip Sabian is is going to be in the over budget battle royal at double or nothing Obviously the gimmick of that match is that whoever wins will get a contract with AEW. I don't, he has been I don't
1: think they said that. I think we presumed that, but I think they just said something would be on the line.
0: Okay. Maybe I made that up.
1: I think I said it, I guessed it and uh, you took it as fact, which, Hey, hmm. it's my prediction record. You may as well do. <laughs>
0: that's right. That's right. So now I'm extrapolating that even further to say that, uh, <laughs> Kip Sabian is probably going to win, and, and therefore start working with mm-hmm. AEW full time, and that's why he's finishing up elsewhere. Although he would seem to fall more into the category of people that they say they want to keep working, so that they can, uh, you know, just stay fresh. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's weird, you know. Some people who are attached mm-hmm. to the promotion seem to be finishing up their indie bookings. Others aren't. George and Ella just showed up on Beyond's uh, weekly show last night and said he would still be coming to Beyond. So.
1: Also showed up at WXW and challenged for that title, I believe.
0: Yeah, so it's it's just it's so unclear to me at this point uh, what the different levels of, of talent are going to be like as far as their contractual status and their obligations to the promotion. Uh, but I thought this was at least noteworthy that, I mean, it could be completely unrelated, but at least noteworthy that Kip Sabian was finishing up with IPW UK. Speaking of finishing up, Darby Allen and Priscilla Kelly have officially... Uh, finished up with evolve. So now we find out whether Darby is going to WWE or AEW. There was of course the tweet from Cody, not that long ago about hanging out with Priscilla Kelly's dog. So hmm.
1: there was it, also, I think uh, Dave had a note that at one point Darby was wanted for best of the super juniors. Um, uh, hmm. We can be pretty confident. He's not in this year's cause that's, Uh, We've got 19 confirmed people there, and we're pretty sure the 20th is Al Phantasmo. But yeah, it seems like hopefully AEW is the likely landing place for these two because they're both extremely cool.
0: I would love to see Darby in a Best of the Super Juniors.
1: I mean, this is what we discussed when we were on, when I was on Everything Evolves, was whether Darby would fit in on a Best of the Super Juniors. What did I I say there? um, I think I sold you on the idea that it would kind of, look weird if he came through with his uh, like uh, Kurt Cobain Daisy Dukes and tights yeah, sure. underneath them and it would be a very odd sort of aesthetic Yeah, um, but I think the matches would have kicked ass um, so yeah it would have been nice to see but uh, hey maybe there's some hope for AEW New Japan uh, mm-hmm. post Madison Square Garden
2: yeah I want to see Darby versus Shingo I want to see Shingo actually try to murder him I think he could he would probably do a better job than Walter I mean, we'll see. (laughs) Uh,
0: Another note from The Observer, while this has not been confirmed within the industry, the belief is that the Usos have signed with WWE, or at least are staying there. Uh, One person high up used the term fairly certain when talking about them signing a new deal and staying. Um, More from Dave, there are a few who are tight with AEW management or who are really into wanting to be featured and create a legacy of being top stars. And feel that's no, not going to happen with them. Uh, this is written like Dave writes, so I shouldn't have read it. I should have. <laughs> yeah, summarized I was going to
1: say. It. I should have summarized.
0: Yeah. So uh, basically, you got some NXT talent who, and some main roster talent who feel like they're not being used that well, and might be reaching out to AEW people to see if uh, they can move around. So we'll see what's going on with that. I think that'll be more of a, a big deal once AEW announces television and we see, uh, you know, what kind of money they have to uh, to throw mm-hmm. around. So. I mean, they already have a lot of money, but they're going to have even more if they have a big uh, TV deal that they can rely on. And so the cons know they're not just going to be bleeding money if this thing fails. Last note, um, apparently Sasha Banks tried to quit WWE over the weekend. She was upset that she found out at the last minute that she and Bayley were going to lose the tag titles to the Iconics she thought she they were going to get a strong run and bring credibility to the belts and establish them as serious belts. <laughs> yes. As I said uh pre-show S- Sasha is the biggest mark uh, probably <laughs> in all of pro wrestling. Um uh, just amazing. But as you probably know she canceled an appearance on a on a television show and is apparently did somebody say she's in the Dominican Republic? She's uh, she's gone somewhere on vacation apparently and is away from the promotion. So
1: Yeah, this seems like this is something that like Twitter is going to lose its mind over for the next 90 minutes, but seems inevitable that she'll like, you know, resign and she and Bailey will go on to lose the second set of women's trios titles. That mean absolutely nothing. It's some fucking show in Largo. I don't know.
0: Like I loved. was like, cool.
1: Like, yeah, she's good.
0: Yeah. I love uh, the experience of kind of watching her rise to the top of NXT and then getting to see the group of them go to main roster and and really establish a women's division, in WWE. But I'm not sure that I would want to deal with her, uh, if I were running a promotion. She seems she seems hard to deal with.
1: Oh no, I don't, that mm, mm, that's a take, I guess. Is it? Yeah, I don't know. People that are hard to deal with are always the best wrestlers. I feel like.
0: I mean, Is there somebody who like wants to quit because they're going to lose the the titles. I think that. I think, I, awesome. I
1: think the part that really uh, you know maligns her character here is that she thought they were going to bring credibility to WWE belts. There's approximately 8,000 WWE belts, and none of them mean fucking shit. I mean, the only one that anybody popped for was the gender weight title at WrestleMania. So that's the that's what we're talking about.
2: I just like. I don't know after many a weekend and seeing both pouty low key and on his game low key, I like wrestlers who are marks for themselves. I mean, come on. Like it's, but at the same time, it's WWE, like you shouldn't expect good things.
0: That doesn't bother me. It's that AEW, it seems to me is really cultivating a a team of people who are likable and are like nice to each other. I don't know. I just feel like she could perhaps be yeah, poisoned to I, a company
1: to start. I don't care about that. That sounds like a lot of headcanon. I don't care about
0: it anyway. I love headcanon. I don't know. I would just be skeptical.
1: Sasha would be a cool get for them. Um, it'd be cool to see like Sasha get up to speed against somebody like Yuka Sakazaki or Aja Kong or something like that. That would kick ass. Um, I'd, I would be extremely pessimistic on it happening. They're going to offer a bunch of money and she's going to fucking stay because they all stay
2: yeah she's, she's also a big dragon system mark so being in a promotion of shima probably would be a big thing to her and that'd
1: be cool
2: it would let her to go and just do crazy things in china so i wouldn't discount that but yeah price wise i just i don't know it just seems like that's just more of like a dean ambrose kind of john moxley thing a frustration
1: yeah prove prove a be wrong sasha quit and come be uh aews utmost professional women's ace.
0: I would love it. I don't, I mean, like, I would love to see the matches, first of all. And uh, from a personal perspective, I don't give a shit, you know, how she acts or or whatever. I just was thinking that it would worry me if I were running the company.
1: I mean, this is a company that uh, has put Joey Janela in featured spots and he, <laughs> he's maybe a little uh, difficult to rein in. So,
0: <laughs> you see, that's interesting. All right, well, let's talk about mania weekend we haven't planned this out very well uh or at all but i guess nate where do you want to start talking about mania weekend i'll just put you right on the spot
1: all right uh well the segue that i was just setting up no i wasn't doing it intentionally but uh is probably i the wrestling was a lot of fun probably had the most fun at the WrestleMania wrestlemania watch party um just got silly drunk with uh all of our friends And Joey Janelle was there, and he was even drunker. Um, This was on the heels of Triple H, I guess, calling AEW a pissant company at the Hall of Fame. So at one point, Joey (laughs) Joey was commentating on Triple H and and Batista's match and called Triple H a pissant. Uh, And he and Rachel Millman just like randomly buried the match. Uh, The um, climax of the evening would be after WrestleMania was over when somebody gave Joey Janela, a very drunk Joey Janela fireworks, and we went outside and set them off. And he said they were in commemoration of the best American match of the last 10 years, triple H versus Batista, which was very funny. Uh, We then left to go get food because we were very drunk, but uh, we, so we apparently missed uh, Joey hitting the podcast toast with chairs. Um, So yeah, that's, I mean, that's just sort of great renegade not giving a fuck content that you want from Joey Janella. That's why you have a guy like Joey Janella. is because he's himself and he doesn't fit into, you know, whatever corporate boundaries or whatever. So I thought it was great. He has not unblocked our Twitter account, though. I did ask him to, I had success with getting my own Twitter account unblocked by Questlove when I happened to run into him in Brooklyn. Uh, but I did not have as much success with Joey Janella, though he may have forgotten because he was very drunk.
0: Joey, if you hear this unblock the account, just do it.
1: Yeah, whatever happened was uh, a, a aaron taub's fault so you know he's he's emeritus at this point we you know we don't know if we're gonna see him again
2: yeah just direct all your criticism to uh, E. P. ap he's endorsed being the being the complaint line big treats okay with that
0: <laughs> mike what was your favorite part of mania weekend
2: oh geez dude uh other than like the shows it was great being with my friends and hanging out with y'all well just getting that out of the way My favorite thing was stardom, to be honest. I was, yeah, I was coming. That was
1: my favorite wrestling show. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I was kind of coming into the weekend bump because of the uh, Dragon Gate visas issue. And to be honest, it kind of had me a little bit of like a, okay, there's no way this is going to be the WrestleMania I wanted. But I kind of spur of the moment decided to get a stardom ticket. I, up until this weekend was not a big joshi person ab can like talk about like i would talk about dragon system and he would talk about joshi and it was kind of like we were talking at past each other whenever it happened but there is no one who is as wholesome and as happy about pro wrestling as our dear friend aaron bentley when he gets to see Momo Watanabe and just did just like that might have been my favorite moment it was just like soaking in like your bike your like your byproduct energy there during that match which was my favorite match of the weekend easily like I love that I loved it enough that the whole entire show was just a great experience it was in an absolute terrible venue that took us an hour and a half before the show started where we were sitting out in the rain which originally we thought like wow is this IPW UK show going on went too long and instead it was like oh they had a br- broken ring and they showed up late and there was only a dozen people so we see like a dozen people trickle out of the ring like trickle out of the building like every five minutes like 45 minutes in or like okay what's going on here and then we walked in and the ring was completely busted but i loved it i got to do some good uh learning of a new wrestling style i have a new favorite Joshi wrestler and uh you know, d- did that meet and greet? Observed Aaron Bentley during the meet and greet with Moa Naeve, which is the all-time power move. Which I'm going to just let you take over this thing because there's no no way I could explain your meet and greet experience. So give it any justice.
0: Yeah. So all the wrestlers after the show started setting up, but it was kind of uh, willy nilly. I mean, just like here were a couple of people. It clearly wasn't very well organized, and I noticed. Momo walking out of the back to set up her spot. And I was like, I'm just going to follow her until she finds her spot so that I'll be first. That was kind of my thought process. So she found some furniture in this, essentially, it's a a nightclub. She found some furniture that she was going to use to put her A by 10s on, but it was like plugged in. It must light up or something. It was plugged into something. And so I pointed out to her that it was plugged in. And, uh, by that point, she had pulled enough that it had like jerked out the cord. Anyway, I was like, uh, you know, I'm also from the South. So I really didn't feel appropriate letting this uh, very nice young woman carry this furniture. So I picked it up and asked her where she wanted me to put it, placed it down. And so I was first in line with Momo Watanabe. Uh, Momo, it's fa- it's interesting. Not since, I-, I don't know, not since I was a child have I like felt this way about a pro wrestler. I just like, I think she's the best wrestler in the world. And I've always thought that, I mean, over the last, her last run over the last year and a half or so, but then like seeing her in person, it just like bowled over me how great she was. She's also like very nice personally, which uh, obviously is important to me. And uh, I don't know. I just, I love her to death. So I was very happy to meet her and uh, she signed a photo for me and took a picture with me. And I tried to show her my Momo t-shirt that I was wearing and she thought I meant that I wanted her to sign it. (laughs) So she signed my t-shirt, which I don't know what to do with now because I love uh, the t-shirt. So I'm not sure if I should just keep wearing it or, uh, if I should, uh, you know, frame it or just keep putting in safekeeping. I mean, she's 19, 20 years old, so there's a good chance she becomes like a big deal. You know, she could be a Kyrie or a, or an EO down the line. So Anyway, it was great. Stardom was definitely my favorite part. Seeing the Oedo Tai dance in person was uh, was some something else. A lot of fun seeing the great Momo match, and uh, I guess my favorite part of Stardom was that I think everybody there that I know who wasn't already sold on Stardom came away like loving Stardom and wanting to get more into it. And so I'm excited about that. And we've all been really cracking up at the Stipulation they're planning for the next show, which involves one team having to either give up their masks or the other team having to stop doing their signature dance. So, and now, note here, they don't wear the masks. I mean, they wear them out to the ring, but then they take them off. So it's not a traditional mask stipulation. So yeah. Very
1: I thought uh, Star Wars was definitely my favorite wrestling show. I actually like the main event more than the Momo versus tommy match. I just thought the main event was awesome. Um, seeing them, you know, I don't know how many, eight women going at full speed, really laying shit in, you know, seamlessly transitioning from one spot to the other while everybody else is like keeping busy brawling on the outside. It really, uh, you know, super high energy. That was fucking awesome. That's like exactly the, that's what I wanted from the stardom show was to be like, I want to see a 100% all out, you know, uh, uh, Joshi show. Whereas if I'm watching it on the VOD, you know, three days later, it just doesn't pop and just doesn't have that same energy to me at all. So I was thrilled that I got that. Um, that was dope. Um, when you yelled at Momo, well, you yelled her name, and then she like <laughs> blushed and did a big smile. That was a huge highlight. And then Hannah coming out um, with her. Well, first of all, <laughs> we're standing outside in line, and all the women enter with Rossi or enter the arena with Rossi and they're all like very quiet and you know we sort of applaud or whatever and they enter and then hannah comes you know characteristically like five minutes later than everybody else and she yells and she's like oh we're gonna have so much fun and she does a big selfie in front of the entire crowd just exactly in character and what you want and then she comes out to her knife party music they have the big match they win the match but the team actually production team not knowing what the fuck is up um plays the queen's quest music so she genuinely throws a fit on the commentator table and is like play my music which they correct and then do and then she's just having a fit the rest of the evening and it's just awesome and exactly what you want like the ref goes to raise her hand and she like snatches it away from him and just like crumps angrily up the inference ramp and it's like fuck yes this is a superstar um she's awesome uh yeah that was cool
2: what was also great was after that match She was just hanging out at the entranceway, just looking incredibly unhappy the entire time. It just was vamping the entire time. Like, she's a star. Like, it was incredible. Like, the the whole experience was great. I mean, it's something that made me care about a promotion that, to be honest, I probably wouldn't have. To the extent that I'm actually too emotionally invested in the fact that if Queen's Quest loses their masks, I'm going to be very depressed for about a good period afterwards i mean konami names her mask you can't break up that relationship that's terrible so yeah i know that show ruled it was again great hanging out with our friends we got to see aaron Taub, who was on assignment at the, the complaints desk he became big treat this weekend as he kind of took us around and always had treats for us he always was like oh go here for treats so me being a dipshit i started calling him big treat non-stop so if you ever see aaron Taub on the street. Call him big treat. I'm trying to get his local chapter to start calling him big treat as well, because I have to run things into the ground. But yeah, the whole entire weekend was a whole lot of fun, even though I feel like that I've been hit by a truck.
0: All right, Nate, you want to talk a little bit about the Madison Square Garden show and any any effects that might uh, have that are relative to or relevant to AEW?
1: Yeah, I mean, this is all totally speculative. Uh, We also all went to the Madison Square Garden show, which I think everybody knows the consensus on. The New Japan stuff was great. And Ring of Honor, you know, had maybe some fine matches, but just totally fucked it up with their stupid angles that they crammed into everything. Um, Wasn't the observer today that, like, uh, G.O.D. and presumably the rest of New Japan was not aware of the (laughs) Enzo and Cass angle. Um, and they were genuinely heated about that, especially uh, Tongaloa and Tamatanga. Um, and yeah, it's like uh, I, I think it's pretty much quickly become the consensus that New Japan would be better off disassociating from Ring of Honor because you're kind of uh, dragging down their product with these dumb angles. Um, and uh, you know, if that if that becomes like a critical mass sort of thing, that's probably where AEW stands to gain because, you know, what's keeping New Japan and AEW apart at this juncture is Ring of Honor's, uh, you know, politicking there.
0: Yeah, I think all that's reasonable. I, I mean, at this point, I don't have any reason to believe that New Japan proper cared or that it had any effect on them other than, you know, what we've seen from some of the lower level talent, but it is possible that with, I think the bigger story is that the power uh, is changing hands in ring of honor. And we see that bully Ray and apparently um, Joey Mercury are getting a lot more power inside ring of honor. And so I think you could really see not only that promotion change and the way that they present their product change, but we don't know what type of relationship with Uh, New Japan, or how that could affect the relationship with New Japan, just with those people having more power in the promotion. So Nate's right that if them faltering is the best thing that could happen for AEW, that they could slide in, because otherwise I don't think New Japan's going to upset the apple cart unless things get bad for some reason.
1: Yeah, you know, in the Observer, um, Dave said that the relationship is solid despite, you know, the reception or reaction or whatever. Um, We, I mean, we it, it's no surprise, no shock. It's you know not news that Dave is often more uh, likely to represent the Ring of Honor office side of things um, a lot of the time, maybe. So that's, I mean, that's my perception anyway. Um, so I guess the next thing to keep our eye on, and as far as that goes, is the next Ring of Honor New Japan joint shows are like less than a month away, so... They haven't announced any talent yet, so we'll see who they send over. Um, and just, you know, the NWA does a better job of booking the New Japan guys at this point because they're putting Kojima and Nagata up against Brody King and PCOs, and that's better than anything Ring of Honor is doing. So,
0: yeah, that's going to get me to watch part of an NWA show. So,
1: the NWA is fucking awesome. They've got um, Josephus, Josephus, the kingdom of Josephus is great. Um, You know, Magnus is whatever, but he's, you know, the fine presenting champion. Um, Yeah, the NW is good as shit.
2: I just, uh, I think that's something that needs to be kept in mind. And our friend Cara brought up when she was on the show a few weeks back is these uh, webbed relationships and alliances are such like a involved thing at this point that you have this entire axis that's Ring of Honor, New Japan, CMLL and rev and rev pro and if
1: nwa and start nwa
2: start i'm like you have like these whole championship
1: wrestling from hollywood
2: well championship wrestling from arizona let's not freak about that one also certainly not but the the big thing is is that some of these relationships you just can't straight just go one for one just about ring of honor for all elite because ring of honor is allied with cmll Mm -hmm. and cmll is not going to be happy if all Elite comes over with how strong a relationship All Elite seems to have had with AAA. So there, there's all these things happening that makes me feel hesitant to think that this is going to happen as well. But it, it it definitely had a feeling of it being very discordant in the building there. But who knows how much New Japan office truly cares about uh, horrible people running in for a crowd and very bad shoot angles. or Work shoot angles, rather.
0: All right, I guess it's time for the Being the Elite recap, Nate.
1: All right. This is, um, what is it, Monday's Being the Elite? So this week's, we've got Bucks and Kenny at the United Center for a Bulls game. Kenny obviously doesn't know anything about basketball, but he tries to fake it um, through his video game knowledge from like, uh, geez, 15 years ago, Space Jam making Space Jam references and NBA Jam references. Um, the bucks I've always had a thing about Michael Jordan. They've, uh, always talk about him being the best. So that's just proof that the young bucks are good. Um, and, uh, watching this, uh, you know, in the off chance that Kenny happens to hear this, I would be interested to know if he's ever played Barkley shut up and jam Guiden because it seems like that would be right up his alley. Uh, and I'm still waiting for my Kickstarter to pay off on that. Uh, this goes with Matt berating Kenny and calling him a dumbass because he doesn't know anything about basketball or the current NBA next segment we got brandy at poolside when mjf approaches so i think this uh uh, proves my previous supposition which is that mjf has in fact moved into the Rhodes' home and is living in their uh relatively unfurnished home so that's curious uh mjf says despite cody blowing up at him over the thing he overheard from mexico mjf thinks he actually got closer with cody except cody's crazy Brandy agrees, but says that Cody's actually insane and then kisses him JF.
0: I thought this was going to be like a, hey, we don't use ableist language bit or not 100%. a bit, but you know, like I thought that's what Brandy was going to say. Like, we don't call people crazy. Uh, but then she went straight to insane. So I, I guess not.
1: Yeah, I was, I wouldn't have made that jump. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh QT. Uh should we call him Michael Colari? Would that be the correct thing to do at this point? Maybe so. I
0: mean,
2: that's he has, he has not, he's
1: not one time been identified as Qt on this uh program. He, he's no, not
2: he's not been identified as former member of the decade QT Marshall. So Decade
1: good, good stable. I,
2: I I loved Adam Page's intro video there. It was very Atlas Catherine like. I mean
1: you had BJ yeah. Whitmer, you had Adam yeah.
2: Page. What else do you need? Tadarius Thomas. Fuck yeah.
1: Uh so QT Michael approaches mjf eating an apple he now has a bit where he's eating fruit all the time um which i they're just because they're going to do it all the time now it's going to get over so now he's going to be like the guy who eats fruit all the time sort of like the i mean i wouldn't call it russo-esque but the russo school of hey if you just give everybody something to do then that gives them some sort of an identity uh so mjf pushes them into the pool so that was that uh seu in times square he does their SCU bit they do their SCU bit uh, a fan yells at them here and i think says like tna legend aw let's go something like that um which uh i get you, know, you kind of expect that to happen when they're out in the streets filming filming these things all the time there's like a weird cut to christopher daniels after this he says fuck you bitch back at the other guys after they the scene no idea what that was maybe just a weird thing they thought was funny on the day uh, and then we go to sammy guevara who drops in on cody he's got his camera out doing his vlog shit uh, i presume this is in a sammy vlog but i was too lazy to look up how it looked on his vlog uh cody says hey man i understand you know you're trying to do this conniving babyface type but you should have just embraced being an awful heel um cody even makes a reference here to when they had a match and cody thought he was a pretty good wrestler except that sammy flicked him off during a match at a charity event where they gave away fucking bicycles. I thought that line read was very funny.
0: Thought- this was this was a great Cody performance. I thought.
2: Yeah, this is my favorite part of this episode. I felt like that Cody has just really leaned into it with Sammy, and I felt like that Sammy's kind of character for the last few weeks has kind of been repetitive. But having Cody just like outright just drop truth bombs on him was great.
1: Yeah, so Cody says he only brought him in as a favor, I think he says, to keep him safe, or a favor to Jericho to keep him safe. I don't know if you guys got something else from that line, but he was brought in as a Jericho, a favor to Jesus, a favor to Jericho for some reason.
2: Yeah, I didn't pick up that line.
1: Um, But Sammy's takeaway from this is not that Cody just destroyed him for five minutes, but he's just hyped that Jericho knows who he is. And again, just seems like Sammy G is a good guy here and everybody has their own idea about him. Okay, I,
2: hope, we... I was going to say, I hope this turns into like he just suddenly breaks and turns out to be the biggest dickhead ever. I hope that that's the uh, the the resolution of this, because this this has been like my favorite ongoing thing on the show.
1: All right. We jump to the rise footage that we discussed on last week's show, I think. Uh, again, we saw AEW saving Kylie Ray from the team of Zoe Lucas and Charlie Evans and Jessica Troy. And I think a fourth person, maybe. Uh, so there's a good pop for Brandy's entrance here along with Nyla Rose and Britt Baker. Um, And then this ends with Nyla getting into it with Kylie, which is, I guess, to build to their match at Double or Nothing. Uh, Why did they not have ropes at this show? Did they really do a no-rope match? That would be a choice. Um, All right, then we jump to the break room, back in the break room with Justin Roberts, continuing his introduction that they set up on Road to Double or Nothing. Uh, Brandy tells Justin, this is your space. So I guess his office is this break room now. I mean, I guess a ring announcer doesn't really need an office, but it's weird that he just like exists only within his break room. Uh, so that, again, they they pull back, and Mike Colari is there eating an apple, and Justin Roberts does the thing where he announces his name, and then uh, they show Mike Colari going and taking a piss, and Justin Roberts is looking over the bathroom stall and he announces his name again.
0: Um, did you did you all ever see basketball? when yes. i
1: was a teen i have not seen it since
2: i i don't need to say how much i've seen the movie basketball but oh, yeah. i've seen it so many times okay cool so I,
1: I, I, big yikes on both you guys
0: uh but every time you say mike quillari i think of squeak, squeak. scolari <laughs> <laughs> maybe that should be his name that's a great name i i literally made a squeak scolari joke not 10 minutes before coming on this show so Basketball references still live. All right, I guess. More I
2: think of, was one of the first DVDs I owned, to be honest. Which is a own, sad indictment? Sure. <laughs> sad, sad, sad indictment of me? I guess. And that
1: said, this is like, some unfortunate lore we're getting here. Oh,
2: I, I mean, this is <laughs> like how, you, like how you weren't able to watch wrestling. I really watch a lot of the movie basketball. It's not. I don't look back at this time fondly. It's just a fact of record. Yeah.
1: I should clarify I, I was not allowed to wrestling i did or watch i did i was not allowed to watch wrestling i still did watch wrestling but i that was the you know household rule you just had
0: to watch it under the under well, the cover I, I had that.
1: a I had a television in my bedroom so it's not like it was difficult but you know right anyway
0: um
1: da, 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 da. so now we get footage from the bucks and kenny on stage at c2e2 this is them announcing that the double or nothing matches for the play tag team titles which I suppose had not previously been uh, explicitly stated. Then we get a Adam page segment. I hadn't seen Adam in a little bit. seems like uh, he gets some mail and he gets hate mail from Pac about how he's not going to be full gear ready. And then there's the reveal that Pac has put a spy cam in Adam page's home and caught him eating some Lay's potato chips. Um, so this is uh, the little, this is the premise of this segment. Uh, and Adam accidentally honks the horn to his car. See a little funny human moment where he's sorry about doing that in his nice suburban neighborhood or whatever.
0: Okay, I have to say because you left it out that you mentioned in your notes <laughs> that you never understood chips.
1: Yeah, never really never what really that understood. Mean? Seem, they seem very empty to me. It does not seem like a pleasant, delightful snack to enjoy yourself
0: with. Nate, you like Matt Taven. You well, like. Vinnie Kingdom, yeah. On this episode, you've praised BJ Whitmer.
1: BJ Whitmer's good.
0: You are one of Twitter's biggest fans of Zanata, and yet this is your worst tag, my man.
1: I mean, I just don't. Do they get your hands all greasy?
0: They're crunchy. It's great.
1: I don't know. Maybe I don't like crunchy.
0: Oh, you just crunch right into them. And here's the thing. They are kind of empty, so you can get a bag and just keep eating it and eating it and eating it. It's great.
1: I've never gotten any enjoyment out of eating a bag of chips.
0: Wow. This blows my mind.
2: I I mean, to be fair to Nate, I would never willingly had any sort of Cheeto or cheese puff until the age of 23. Well,
0: I'm not saying you have
2: to have a Cheeto or a cheese puff. I'm just saying a a chip. Those
0: don't don't
1: even enter the conversation. That's Uh, not even food.
2: I, I mean, I'm just saying, like, some people don't like, some people just have, like, snack food preferences. Like, I didn't eat anything other than Fritos up until, like, I had, like, great. I grew up in Texas, dude. Fritos are a thing in Texas. You get, like, Frito pies and stuff. I just love chips. Like, lunch,
0: like, the biggest, the most important part of my lunch is, like, what chips am I going to eat with this lunch? It's
1: fucked up.
2: You could have, like, a nice sandwich.
0: With chips? Boom.
2: Do you put chips in your sandwich?
0: No, no, no. I, but I just, I guess this is what differentiates me from Nate among, among many things. <laughs> I just, I love food that crunches. I just have to have crunch in my food. I hate soggy food. I need crunch. No, I don't like soggy food. Who likes soggy food?
1: I don't like soggy food, to be clear.
0: Like, I don't, I don't eat uh, salad dressing on salads because it just makes the food wet. And I hate that.
2: If you let it sit in the salad dressing, you put way too much on, dude. I don't know I mean, I don't a, want sal- a, a
1: salad, I will. I'll. Uh, I'll give I'll, you that. A salad should be crunchy. I will give you that. Mm,
2: thank yeah. You. Or, or have the dressing on the side. I mean, you don't need to. Compl- you have options there. I just like a dry salad. Sounds really gross to me. Just lettuce. Ah. Oh, just anyway, like anyway. I like chips. That's all. I've I never been
1: happier. Me. I've never it's been happier cool. after eating a bag of chips. Oh, I have. Yeah.
2: That every
0: way. day of my life.
2: If I like I'm at a if I get like a sub and they have the really good kettle chips with salt and vinegar on it, yeah, I'm having a, that's a happy lunch for me. I would love a tortilla chip, a pita
1: chip, a tortilla chip and a salsa. That as far as chips go, I guess that would rank pretty high.
0: But if it's crunchy and salty, I, just give me more of it. I'm in.
1: Yeah, at least the, at least the tortilla chip has like a noticeable saltiness that like contributes to the flavor. I don't know most most chips that I. Have had cause to eat in my life. Have never been very delicious to me. Okay. So there's chips. Fuck chips. (laughs) Uh, All right. And this closes with Kenny and the Bucks on a FaceTime conference call. The sound levels on this were all fucked up. Uh, I presume because it was being captured on Nick's phone. So we got his natural voice and we got everybody else's voice through like three different uh, filters or you know, layers of levels of abstraction. I'm speaking very well. Um, and Kenny, this is where we set up the fighter festival. Kenny explaining his marketing idea for the CEO show. Um, the bucks here are begging him to watch the fire festival documentary, but it's revealed that Kenny already blew the entire budget for this, uh, this promotion up through April on the fighter festival. Um, despite the, despite I'm sure the, uh, Guidance from Mookie. So that sets up the video that came out the next day on Tuesday.
0: All right. Well, I guess that's everything. I think it is. Yeah. Well, I think that'll close us out for this week. Uh, My thought, uh, we'll see if there's a lot of news. Obviously, there's going to be a Road to Double or Nothing tomorrow or Friday. You'll probably hear this on Friday. And then there'll be a new BTE and we'll see what else comes out. Uh, We may and we haven't talked about this too much, but maybe a good time to start spotlighting some of the talents that are going to be on Double or Nothing that everybody may not know as much about. So maybe we can I know Nate won't watch old matches, but maybe uh, I can convince him to and we'll maybe talk about some of these people uh, who are going to be on the show. I don't know. We'll see how much content there is. Make sure that you are following us. On Twitter at everything aew, you can of course find me at Aaron like the car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji Heya. That's with two eyes. And subscribe to the show, rate and review. I haven't checked to see if we got any new reviews, but I will check before the next episode. So rate and review, subscribe either to our uh, specific feed or to the Voices of Wrestling podcast network feed, and get us along with all the other shows on the network. I think that's everything. So for Mike. For Nate, I'm Aaron. We'll see you next time.